When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we recap OU's good win over Texas Tech in the National College Football Roundup. We recap the other big games in Week 9 of college football, including Michigan State's comeback win over Michigan and Texas's loss to Baylor. And we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 1st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack, Match, Roulette, and Teddy Lehman's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Friday's in October. Oh, it's not October anymore. We'll get you the new November one. (laughs) They haven't sent it to me yet, but I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure the deal will be great on Friday nights in November. I'm sure it'll be awesome. (laughs) Drawings, I'm not sure if they'll be every 30 minutes, but it'll be great. I promise. Go to Riverwind Casino. It's great. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now, recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And also, a happy 16th birthday to Reagan McFearon. I think I'm saying that right. McFearon. McFearon? It's like McPherson, but but no S. Ooh, is that a typo, you think? No, it's not. I double checked it. Okay, nice. McFerrin. I like and it. it. Came, and it came in an email, too. Ooh, they're very official. Yes. So, Reagan, happy birthday. Ted, nice. did you have a good Halloween, man? I, I mean, we're going uh, to have very little to complain about when it comes to OU's performance against Texas Tech. So, we got to kill some time. I mean, good Halloween, solid. Halloween was good. Uh, our neighborhood was crazy. We have, I guess you call it a Halloween party where everyone in the neighborhood, all the kids get on a, like a hayride and go house to house. And when they get off 
the hayride to go to a house to get candy, it looks like a mass riot or looters going to loot a house. There's just like 50 kids go running at the house. It's hilarious. What <laughs> What do you do when it's your house they're coming at? Uh, you like throw a bowl out there in front and duck for cover. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. So our neighborhood, they actually did it Saturday night and we were still coming back from the game. We just left a huge bowl of candy out front on the porch and somehow that bowl ended up like 50 yards away in the middle of our circle drive. And I was like, all right, okay. I think the kids, they, they did a good job. You think it made it through like three groups of trick-or-treaters or or last a good amount of time? I bet you it was gone in 10 minutes. (laughs) It's a huge bowl, massive bowl. But I was like, honey, I mean, it's the effort that counts. So, you know. That's great. OU Texas Tech. Let's start on defense, man. I mean, because this group was getting killed. And by us by everyone, by themselves, by the coaching staff for the way that they played against Kansas. And then they come out and look pretty good. It wasn't perfect by any means, but that looked pretty good. Look, I wouldn't say it looked like a completely different group, but looked like a much better, more organized defense on Saturday. No doubt. No doubt. And you can point to several different things. Um, Turner yelled back, Key Lawrence playing at corner, some of the change up there's uh, Broyles playing at nickel, and man, I, I thought for the most part they did pretty good. That first play of the game, they saw Key Lawrence out there at corner, let's see what he's got. They test him deep, and he gets a pass broken up, pretty good job staying with it, tested him a couple of other times, and um, I, for making the switch game nine of the season from safety to corner, and being tasked with covering one of the, the best wide receivers in the Big 12. And as a comma, I thought he did really well. Um, Turner Yell being back was, I mean, it's it's just a game changer, man. How, how good he is on the back end, getting the adjustments, communicating, anticipating what's about to happen. Um, and he plays safety with a purpose. He knows where he's going. He inserts into the run game, into the short passing game. Uh, with confidence and with physicality. And, um, you know, I, I I thought he was big time. You can tell the difference whenever he's back there for sure. Yeah, I thought it was – it's clear, like, when when Turner Yell and Pat Fields are both on the field and both of those guys, you know, veteran guys, played a ton of football, they're, they're allowed to communicate with each other but also to the rest of the defense – it, it just seems when both of those guys are back there at safety, it seems like everything's more organized. It seems like the linebackers are less stressed. It seems like they're getting the defensive line lined up quicker. I mean, everything, everyone just seems more at ease with that safety tandem. And I know Pat Fields gets a lot of criticism, and I understand that. And he he's playing hurt. I mean, he is banged up. He needs this bye week. He needs it badly. But the one thing you can say about him is he knows what he's doing back there. Now, he may not make every play, and he may not be the biggest and fastest guy, but 
when him and Turner Yarrow both back there, I, I feel like it's just such it's such a more efficient defense because of the communication that you're talking about. I mean, it was it was I don't want to say it was night and day, but it was pretty damn obvious to me. Yeah, well, uh, we we talk about it all the time, and people probably get tired of hearing it, but there's a lot that goes on between um, when the offense lines up and when they snap the ball, and even after the snap, where communication is so critical, and guys that know how to do it, that are good communicators, that over-communicate, um, it ends up helping everyone out, and I, it's just, it's different with him back there, man. It is. And you could tell, like you said, it's the linebackers seemed like they were more at ease and, and ready to adjust to everything. Defensive line was, was in a good groove, getting lined up and, and making plays. And, you know, for the D line, I thought having Redmond out there was a good positive influence on the way that they played. Um, there wasn't a whole lot going in the running game. Thought they did a good job for the most part. And just having him in there, I think it solidifies that inside and allows allows Thomas to play outside a little bit more where there where it's more natural. It's, it's back to where you felt like they were whenever the injuries kind of occurred. Yeah, and it, it, as far as Redmond goes, like I I thought he did some good things, but you can still tell he doesn't have quite the the pop. Mm-hmm. that he had earlier in the year. I, I don't think he's all the way back yet. It, it seemed like they had him kind of on a snap limit in that game, you know, 20, 25-ish. Now I know the game got out of hand there in the second half, so, you know, there there's no reason to play him a ton of snaps when the game's like that. But it it did seem like he was, I don't know, about 80, 85% or so, so... I think these next two weeks are going to be big for him. But, man, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas. Dude just makes plays. That's all yep. he does. I mean, I, I know that you know we've talked about maybe him not being the ideal fit there in the interior of the defensive line. But wherever you line him up, he shows up on the tape. Yep, he does. Um, I picked him as the player of the game in postgame. He had a couple of passes broken up. He had a big tackle for loss on the first series. He had a sack, forced fumble, fumble recovery, just a really productive all-around day from him. And and he was a factor. And you know, you a lot of times you you get a factor grade. You know, even if you don't make a tackle or or involved in a play, you still get a factor grade, whether you were a factor and whether you're cutting a run off or squeezing a gap and making it, you know, tonal to a linebacker for an easier tackle, whatever it might be. He just, he tends to be a factor whenever he's in there and he he had a good one, man. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What'd you, what'd you think of the way that the backers played? I, I thought that, you know, it was a little, it was a little up and down 
you know, just yeah. from, you know, the way they were fitting some things in the run game, you know, getting depth in their drops. Like it was, it was kind of hot and cold when I was going through it. Yeah. Some of the, some of the underneath coverage and, um, we talked about it some on the broadcast, some of those deeper dagger routes in routes, you'd like to get a little bit more help from the backers there. Um, it's a tough spot with some of the RPO stuff and some of the quarterback run stuff where you've got to kind of find a, a happy medium of where to, to play those guys. But uh, I, I thought the rotation was a little bit better. Uh, I thought you, you had good positive plays. And I think the big thing was the negative plays weren't as bad as they were a week ago, right? Whenever you make a mistake or there's a, um, you know, you're, you're in a wrong fit or in the wrong spot in a coverage, you're able to adjust and, and turn into a situation where it didn't turn into a real big explosive play like we saw over and over the previous week. Now, you, you mentioned Key Lawrence uh, at corner, and for the first time he's played it in a college football game. Uh, I agree with you. I thought he did some really good stuff. But so where does OU secondary go from here? It's kind of as I was going through it because – and it, it seems like it's still going to be a while, um, you know, quite a while until Woody Washington's back. But is he going to live at corner? Like, is that his new his new spot? Because basically, you look at it, you know, the, the defense we just talked about. The defense is better, more more organized, and more efficient with Pat Fields and Delarian Turner yelling the field. But you got to yeah. get your best five guys out there. And Grinch told us after the game, man, he, he's one of the best five. He's earned a spot on the field. I guess that spot's corner moving forward. That's what I gathered from the post-game interviews. And he referenced a couple of times about like moving forward and getting better at that spot and getting comfortable to position, making it sound like it wasn't a one-week thing. So, I, hey, I like it. I, I, I like it he gives you some real size and athleticism there. And it's one of the things I talked about. I think I talked about it during the week on my radio show, but you know, one of the benefits you get from having him at corner is whenever people attack us in twins or whenever they've just got, um, you know, the nub side tied in or pair of tight ends where the corners in the fit. Now it's, you know, a safety key Lawrence is there playing that as a, as a run defender, whenever used to, you'd have a smaller corner there. It gives you that added benefit of a bigger body also in the run game in, in formations that we see a ton of. Yeah, and he, he, he showed up in the run fit quite a bit. Missed a couple tackles when he showed up, but still, I, I liked how decisive he was. Okay, so is it, is it weird to come on here? Because I, I feel like, I've had people come up to me and be like, we love how you guys are honest about the team and all this stuff on the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're just going to tell you what we see. Like that's, it, it's, it's that simple. Is it weird coming on here and not having that much bad to say about OU's defense after the last couple of weeks? It's great. It's great. When they play good, I've, I'm happy. I feel good about it. I, I liked what I saw out there. And, you know, it was kind of like running out of um, optimism there. And it was like the last straw is I think they're going to be better when they get healthy. That's, you know, it's 
it's the last straw. That's all we've got left. And I thought that was, it was just a big difference having Turner yell back there. Now, yeah, they didn't see Columbia the whole time. Um, you're essentially working on your second and third team quarterbacks there, but I don't think that that's worth, you know, trying to bring that into the fold, getting into that game, playing the way they did, uh, a dominant victory. I, I think that's that's a definite positive moving forward. You got a week to settle in, figure out what exactly it is, uh, the lineups that you're going to play down the stretch. Final three games are going to be really tough. Um, get a chance to, to pre-plan for those a little bit, get healthy, freshen the legs a little bit, go out there and bang a couple of days. So uh, I think they're in a good spot right now. I will give one guy some credit, man. Justin Broyles has had has had some serious low points in his career here, and uh, I feel like everyone still remembers that Peach Bowl. But man, he's he's doing some good things on the field, and he, he's an Oklahoma City guy. I'm I'm always cheering for the Oklahoma City guys. I don't hide that, and it's fun to watch him play some good football. I'm just I'm just happy for him, man. Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt. I I like that. Uh, that's a lot of experience out there too. Now, whenever he's playing the nickel spot, you know Bowman. I like what he brings. He's a true freshman. You're going to get some good and some bad out there. But when you've got Turner, Yell, Pat Fields, and Broyles as your two safeties in your nickel, which a lot of times the way we adjust to a lot of stuff, we essentially play them like three safeties. It's it's a lot of experience, man, and uh, he's done a good job. He's a physical guy. He's uh, he's a pretty good tackler. He's done some good stuff. There, there was one interesting moment. You know, uh, Latrell McCutcheon. Clearly, you know, he's had some ups and downs this season. He's given up some big plays, but you know, he was out there at the end of the game, and there was just this moment where it was like Lincoln was giving him this pep talk on the sideline, and man, it. It's a good reminder, same thing with Billy Bowman. Now, I didn't see anything like that with Billy Bowman, but it's a good reminder, like, hey, man, confidence is so important for those guys in the secondary. And sometimes when you're a young player, maybe you're a little hesitant, that confidence can can take a bit of a blow. And sometimes it's better to have the veteran guys out there if if the young guys are struggling with the confidence. So I, I am not concerned. With Latrell McCutcheon's future in the OU football program, I am not concerned with Billy Bowman's future at OU. It's just one of those things where it's like, hey, man, the veteran guys just doing some good things. And, you know, when those guys are doing some good things, hey, you can only have so many guys on the field. And it really shouldn't be in a perfect world. You wouldn't it's have a any good true thing. Freshman. Yeah. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have any true freshmen come in and play right away. They wouldn't be able – you hope that they're not able to earn their way onto the field that quickly, right? Um, and going through some ups and downs, some trials, it's good as a, as a football player, as a person, and uh, to dig out of those things. And you almost find yourself – almost always find yourself a better player on the other side of it. And I think that's going to be the case. It's – and I can promise you it's it's probably not going to be the last we see of either of those guys this year. They'll be asked to 
make some big contributions at some point, whether it's injury, whether it's heck you lose a guy on the first play because of a targeting, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, yeah, they need to stay locked in and be ready to play. Yep. All right, let's get to the offense. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Congrats to Macy Turley on winning this week's $25 game day gift card from Love's. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the drinks, and of course, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also, as you covered, if you forget your phone charger or headphones, they've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com and make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Scored 52 points. Can't be too upset, right? It's not bad. Not not bad. bad. I mean, that's what this fan base is kind of used to. And it it was awfully nice seeing them rack up. A lot of points, and let's start with Caleb Williams. I feel like this is where we will always start the offensive discussion from now on, Ted. Uh, 402 yards and six touchdowns. That's that's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. solid. There's there's really not a ton to complain about. Now, he was a little shaky early. I don't know if he was a little too amped up or what, just a little inaccurate early in the game, but then settled in. And as I went back and watched it, man, I don't know what else to say other than this kid is going to be an absolute star. I mean, an absolute star. He is his arm talent. And this was, this was one of the first games, right? He doesn't rip off some long, just jaw dropping run that makes that kind of dominates the conversation about him. No, this was, this game was all about his arm and his ability to throw, and how dangerous he is out of the pocket. I mean, it was fun to watch. And I like I don't know if there's a more fun player to watch in all of college football. No, he's, he's great. The play where he gets out of trouble in the pocket, escapes out to the right, and hits Mims in the back of the end zone, that's just – that's as good as it gets. It looks like Kyler Murray. I mean, um, he's, he's fantastic, and I think – you know, some of the, the, the inaccuracy we're, we're talking about there at the beginning of the game, that stuff, it, it, that's just, I don't know if it's nerves or, or what, but it's such a non-factor, like, to worry about long-term with him. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like the more difficult to play, the better he is. If he's just, like, 
trying to hit someone in stride on an easy throw needs needs some you know needs needs some creativity on a play to make it really shine but uh he's he you're right he's already a star but i think he's going to turn into a right an elite quarterback in every facet of the game not just a great playmaker there's a lot of quarterbacks that are just great playmakers he looks like he's going to be elite at everything awareness accuracy reading the defense you know just understanding the offense and how to how to you know work up you know he'll I, I think he's so football savvy and football aware that he's going to turn out to be a very situational aware quarterback that can win with you know whether it's red zone or two minute and function uh at just the top level at all those different categories yeah it's not, it, we don't have very high expectations for him. <laughs> well, but, I, uh, so I, I, I agree. And I actually, I went back and I picked a play and everyone that watched the game go to the 1407 mark in the second quarter. And it's, it, it's a simple play. And to a lot of people, it, it looks like the offensive line messed up probably to a lot of people, but that's, it, it may be the, it may be the, the play in the game that I saw Caleb Williams, you know, go through where I was like, man, okay, things are starting to click for him. So a lot of people don't understand that, you know, one of the last things, you know, one of the hardest things for quarterbacks to grasp a lot of time is pass protection, right? Especially if they didn't have to do a lot of it in high school. And a lot of times there's, there's not a ton on the QB in some of these high school systems and it's it, the the hard thing about protection is not really knowing where your offensive lineman's going it's where it's knowing where you're not protected right where they're where your problem areas are in protection so if you go back and look at the play with 1407 to go in the second quarter OU is in empty right so it's just there there's no one in the backfield with Caleb Williams he's all by himself and so you only got five offensive linemen, and Tech is showing a look which is commonly known as six up, right? They've got six guys at the line of scrimmage, and in their look, they've got their three defensive linemen and their three linebacker body types all up at the line of scrimmage. And Caleb Williams knows he's only got five guys, right? So the five guys, he's sending, he's sending them right, or that's the protection, that's the way it's called. So he knows the guy on the backside on his left is unblocked. So they snap the ball, a couple guys on the right bail out, but Hey, that guy is unblocked. Caleb Williams drops back, drops back. Like he's got eyes in the back of his damn head spins out of it. Like he's Aaron Rodgers Cause he knows that guy is unblocked. He feels him coming, spins out of it, gets out to the left, dumps it off. Hey, easy, just easy yardage. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a big play at all, right? You see him like, oh, look at that. I look at the athleticism. Like, no, that's football knowledge. That's understanding the protection. That's understanding where your problems are. That's feeling him coming. That's spinning out of it, which, yeah, takes a lot of talent. Like, there's guys in the NFL that can't even dream of doing something like that. But that's really, I can't, I, I don't know if I can stress enough, like how impressed I was with that one play 
And it takes a lot of quarterbacks a long time to understand something like that. This kid's in his what? Was it his fourth start? Is that even right? Third. Third start? Fourth game? Yeah, third start, fourth game. Which, if I remember right, he's messed one, he messed one of those up early, right? Yeah. And he learned from that mistake, and here we are, where he's turning it into a, a positive play. Now, I would, I would argue and say the one that they messed up against Kansas, should, the offensive line should have been able to fix that problem, but <laughs> that's a different discussion for another day. But it, it's just like his, and you know, I've said it, that the staff talks about how much time he puts in, how he wants to get better. You see a play like that, and it may not look like much to some people, but I'm telling you, like that's impressive as hell to me. But hey, uh, maybe this everything this kid does, maybe just it'll it'll continue to be that way. I did think he did a nice job spreading it around, right? It was yeah, it was good seeing Mario Williams out there making plays. He didn't quite look full speed to me, but he looked close, right? And I think that Lincoln's going to continue to find some ways to get him the football. I always enjoy. Marvin Mims making big plays, man. That's what, that's what that kid does. And it, it feels like they've been missing some of those just a little bit. Like they've just been a little off. And it, it was good seeing him have that type of game because those, I mean, those explosives, they just make everything so much easier offensively. It loosens up everything and making those plays. Tech played a lot more single high safety stuff than I thought they were going to. And Mims and some of these other guys, they they made him pay for yeah. it. So it, it was fun to watch. Hey, your boy Stogner caught a touchdown, Ted. I know it. That was awesome. Uh, Stogner caught a touchdown. Brayden Even though Willis. You, you tried to call offensive pass interference on him during the broadcast. What was that? Don't do that. I was, I was just saying that there is a an art to finding yourself open. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And it was perfectly played by him. Um, his big body out there. It was awesome to see him get that touchdown. Braden Willis had one. Uh, that was really cool. Yeah, dude, we spread it around. Drake Stoops, Mims. Um, heck, uh, was it Darby got one late? It was awesome to see a bunch of different guys playing. Which, by the way, how about that whenever you're – your backup quarterback can come in and just rip a 50 yard go ball. Like it's nothing for a touchdown. It was, it was funny. You know, I went up to Rattler after that. He was kind of standing over by me. I said, he's still got it. He was like, dude, come on. That never went anywhere. And I was like, ah, I like it. I like it. No, but yeah, that was a cool moment. It was, it was cool seeing how the sideline reacted to Rattler. You know, by the way, that was a bomb. Like he let that thing rip. That was a good throw. Awesome. But also, it was cool seeing how everyone reacted to Stogner catching a touchdown. I mean, it was it was almost like just a sigh of relief. It had been a while for the for the big tight end, so it, it just felt offensively, you know, for the skill guys and for the passing game, offensively, it just felt like they took a step. Right? It, it was it was one of those things where I I think coming into the game. From everything I understood from, you know, talking to a couple guys on the staff, like they had all, they had every intention of running it a lot 
in this game, but they saw some of the things that Tech was doing in the back end. They're like, you know what? Let's air this thing out, man. They can't cover us. And <laughs> they, they certainly couldn't. No, yeah. they. It was apparent pretty early on that the Tech had a, a pretty good beat on the running game. We weren't getting a whole lot of movement with our offensive line. They were playing us really tough on the inside. Backers were were you know piling downhill pretty good. So hey, whenever you've got the ability to switch up game plans on the fly and make someone pay through the air like that, more power to you. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the offensive line play because okay, if if you're looking for if you're looking to bitch about anything coming out of this game, you're probably saying, what the hell was going on with the run game, right? And it's kind of a valid complaint because I'll, I'll say this. After watching all, all the run snaps, I, I think the run game didn't go for two main, re- two main reasons. Number one, a lot of the time, especially when OU was in their 12 personnel stuff. So when Stogner and Jeremiah Hall, whether you want to call that 12 or 21, that's up to you. But when those both of those guys were in the backfield, and there were a lot of bodies down around the line of scrimmage for Tech. I mean, there was a lot of traffic in there. And with some of the gap scheme stuff they do, like it has to be blocked perfectly when there's all those moving parts and there's there's just a lot of trash to run through. And, you know, I wasn't crazy about some of the things that they did just because it was just like there were so many dudes right there around the line of scrimmage, and it's it's hard to get the timing of those gap schemes, especially they they had Jeremiah Hall going and, and being the kickout guy, but it, it took Stogner so long to wrap all the way around. It just it made Jeremiah Hall have to hold up at the point of attack for too long, in my opinion. I thought some of the timing was just a little off some of the things that they were doing, but I'm definitely nitpicking I, I i know that but so tech committed a lot of bodies especially when they're in that personnel grouping and then and i don't know how to say it texas tech defensive line got after ou's o-line a little bit yeah i mean they've got i did not realize now i know the heights and weights right we're always talking about them heading into the game texas tech's defensive line and they they look good i mean they were 275 and 280 at in they were, you know, 305 and strong as hell at nose. And he's tough now. He, he, he is a, he, he's a he, I'll tell bug. you this. Jalen Hutch is going to put some of the snaps against the Sooners on the old highlight reel he's got going. <laughs> he is, he is a load, man. So when he, when he picks a side and he's going, he, it's hard to slow him down, man. So yeah, just, I mean, it's just the truth. Tech's defensive line, they they got after him a little bit when OU tried to run the football. And just not a lot of movement was produced. Like, those are some they, – they must be some strong dudes. They look strong on tape as I went back and watched it. Okay, so Andrew Rame, it, it was interesting. Robert Conchel got the start, right? So, I, I think was that's – that a surprise? Yeah, it definitely surprised me. But – I, I think that's probably an indicator of how Bill Beatonbo thinks that Rame's playing right now. And I've, you know, I've have seen some improvement, but it just hasn't come as quickly as as I was hoping it would come for Rame. But as I went back and watched the tech game, it's really some of the same stuff. 
with him at center. Uh, some solid things, right? You see some plays where you're like, damn, that kid can play. And then you, I, I do think he's starting to understand some of, uh, you know, some of the leverage and angles of the center position better. He's starting to use some of those things to his advantage. But, you know, I went back and looked because I go through and I grade it all. I grade every play and all of his negative plays. And I went back and looked at the last couple of games. Like all of his negative plays are the same issues, right? They had, they, my notes are the same on his bad plays from the last three games. And it's pretty much, hey, grab that guy. Don't push him away. Stay under control. Better, you need better pad level and you need to play with more power through the ground, right? You, you need to be more forceful with your feet and more move with a little more purpose. And it's, it's just kind of the same stuff. And I wonder if that's what's frustrating, Beatonbo, because it is the same stuff that keeps showing up from him. Like, is he getting better? Yeah, I think he's getting better. Right? I think he's getting more comfortable. I think he's communicating. I think the line is doing, a better, doing better from just an assignment standpoint. But, you know, some of this stuff, like, it, it's, it's got to go away. Like, you, you can't keep making the same mistakes. But you know, he, he did some good things. I'm probably being a little too critical of the way he played. But I just I, – I, when I see the same things happening over and over again week after week, I'm like, hey, figure it out. Stop pushing guys away from your body. Grab guys. Pull them to you. You play in the interior of the offensive line, you can get away with murder. <laughs> Use it to your advantage. Yeah, so it's just – it's just kind of the same stuff with him. And actually, Conjol did some good stuff until he had the bad snap. And then that just kind of, I think he just got, you know, hey, come sit with me <laughs> after that. But, yeah, it's, it's just a work in progress at center, man. It's a work in progress. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe Conjol getting the start uh, hammers home some of those coaching points a little more to Rain. I don't know. He's uh, – you're getting pretty late in the season here to where it's got to be frustrating for coach that it's a lot of the same stuff like you're, you're talking about, but by week, uh, typically a week where you get back to fundamentals in practice, so to speak with some extended individual periods. So, uh, maybe they'll be working on some of that stuff. Maybe I need to drive down there and just teach him how to hold. You could be the like. They need a spot on the staff, the holding specialist. I wasn't very people. good at much, but I was damn good at holding, <laughs> and I got called for holding one time in my career, and it was my first play of my college football career. Never got called for holding again. There's an art to it, Ted. The key to holding is knowing when to let go, right? Exactly. <laughs> got to know where the line is, but you got to push it to the line every time, baby. Okay, Marquis Hayes thought he played pretty poorly, honestly, in the first half, uh, especially to compare, you know, comparing it to what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks. But it was much better in the second half. I, I don't know what was going on in the first half, but for whatever reason, he was much more physical in the second half of that football game and kind of got back on track after, you know, some really just some downright bad plays in the first half. Chris Murray. Man, I hold him to a pretty high standard now with how consistent he's been all season. I thought this was one of his poorer performances, and he he did some things that 
and you know, just with his eyes or where he was working, whether it's pass pro or run game, where I was just like, okay, what, what what's going on here? Kind of some head scratching things. And then he ended up getting pulled for Swenson. So I, I think that I, I still think Chris is going to be the starter there at right guard. Uh, although maybe with the bye week and you know heading in Baylor, maybe Bill opens up the right guard position for a competition. It's kind of something that I I've I've been thinking he should do, and maybe he has done it, but. I I think Murray he'll be ultra motivated after watching that. He's he's a kid that takes a lot of pride in the way that he plays and what he puts on film. So I expect him to correct some of that stuff. Tyrese Robinson, man, I thought he was solid as hell in pass protection, but it was one of his worst games I can remember in the run game. And I it, I went through it damn near all the minuses I had for him came in came when a run was called. And they, they came on running plays and a lot of them, he was on the front side and he just, he just didn't get much movement at all. Just kind of stalemates. And that's really not what he's been showing, right? He's been doing a good job, good technique, right? Up and under with his hands, lifting guys, getting movement, you know, using leverage, uh, really, really driving his feet. Not technique was just a little off in this one. And I, I didn't think it was a good performance by him in the run game, but man, he has exceeded all of my expectations for him at tackle and pass protection. He's, he's really become a solid guy that they can count on in that part. But run game's got to be better from him, and he knows that. Yeah, and that's going to be a big challenge. The final three defenses that we see are, are all going to be pretty good and pretty good at edge. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be a big challenge. And that's odd. You know, he's – I don't know. In my opinion, the the run blocking has kind of been his specialty at tackle. So it's it's odd to see him not being able to get movement there. Yeah, and it was – I don't think it was really a coincidence. You look at Tech's edge guys, you know, that one dude's like – he's tall as hell. And, yeah. I mean, guys with links, right? I mean, you look at Tyrese, he's a guard playing tackle. Yeah. And – if you if you get him a guy like especially strong guy, two hundred seventy five like pounds, straight arm man, he can use length. Like he's he's at a disadvantage, right? I mean, just yeah. is. So it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, November he's going to be playing against some guys, right? There are guys. I'm not sure how many dudes he's going to be playing. You know the difference, Dad. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. he'll be playing. There are a couple dudes that are in between guy and dude, if that makes sense. Yeah. For Baylor, Oklahoma State. Like he, he's gonna be playing some good players. So Anton Harrison, I always finish with oh sweet Anton. Man, I'll say this. He's doing a much better job than he did earlier in the season. He knows where he's going now in the run schemes. He's he's playing with better eyes in pass protection, and he's doing a better job in pass pro. And I think I've just come to the realization that. You know, his biggest issue, it, it really can't be solved until the offseason. And that it, it's just the fact that he needs to get stronger. He's got to get more explosive. He's got to gain some weight. He's too light, too weak, and doesn't have enough pop. And that's just it. Like, the technique is coming along. Uh, I think the decisiveness, like knowing where he's going, looks better. But he, I, I think in the future he can become a a really really 
good player, almost borderline like dominant player if he puts the work in. But it's just kind of hard to work on his glaring weakness during the season. It's really hard to gain strength during the season and gain a bunch of weight during the season. And that's that's really what I see. When I watch him, I'm like, that's a guy that he – he doesn't have a ton of sand in his pants, and he's not very strong. That's what I see when I watch him. But he is getting better. Well, I, I think that guys that figure out the technique stuff and have to win with good technique early in their careers and then grow into their body and get physically strong and more athletic and, and a more dominating type of uh, physique – that's like the perfect, that's what you want. Cause a lot of guys are able to get away with just being stronger for a long time until all of a sudden they can't get away with that anymore. And it's hard to kick all those bad habits and get back to where you need to. If you can build that good solid foundation and then add all of the strength and, and physical capabilities on the back end of that, you can become a really good player. Yeah. So overall offensively thought quarterback was good. Loved how it got spread around to the skill guys. We didn't even talk about Kenny Brooks or Eric Gray, like awfully quiet day for both of those guys because the run game just didn't really get going. And uh, I thought it was had a large part to do with the fact that, well, Texas Tech, when, when OU did call runs, Texas Tech's defensive line got after him a little bit. I mean, I'm just calling it how I see it. Yeah. Well, and whenever people are going to play Oklahoma aggressive, the more aggressive people play us, the more yards and points they give up. That's been that's been the the you know what's shown up so far. Most aggressive we've seen, Texas, TCU, and then Tech and some of the stuff, and they end up paying on the scoreboard. I don't think I have ever thought a game was going to go more different than it did offensively like in the last couple years for OU the two the two bad games defensively that Tech has had they gave up what 400 on the ground to TCU and 336 uh, to Texas and 394 to TCU I have the numbers memorized because I was like (laughs) I think OU might get there yeah wrong (laughs) but hey man 52 points what are you you gonna say yeah who cares (laughs) right it went differently than I thought it was going to go, but hey, points are points. Don't really care how you get them. It's That's right. I will say it's really fun to come on here and say positive things about this football team. It's fun. Nine and zero, oh. nine and freaking zero. Oh. It's way better on the 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 stress level for sure. They are they're nine and zero, oh, man. And now that you made it here and played nine games and you're undefeated. This is a great place for a bye week, right? <laughs> I mean, I, like if you would have lost the game, it's like, man, why are we playing so many in a row? But now that you made it here, it's very strategically located for your final three games. This is a great place to rest up, get healthy, go back, self-scout, uh, work on some fundamental things with some guys that have been having some issues. Um you know, whatever you may need to do game plan wise heading into those final three and hopefully four games. This is, this is a good spot to have a bye week They needed it and we needed it. Right. Oh, <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. The fans needed it. Fans Dude. needed it. Okay, let's get to call your shot and you know, threw this one out there because on Tuesday, the first college football playoff rankings will be released. So we asked you guys, where will OU be ranked in the first CFP rankings? Uh, this one comes from our man Bill Young78, aka Florida Sooner All on right. Twitter. He says fourth. Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, then OU. The other three have better wins than OU. I think, okay, first of all, Bill, thank you for responding. We appreciate you. I think fourth is a best-case scenario for OU. Right? Like, would you be shocked if Alabama's ahead of them? No. Frankly, I would expect it. I kind of think they're going to be fourth now. Like I was, I was convinced going into this weekend that OU was going to be sixth. I was, I was like, oh, they're going to have Ohio State in front of them. They're going to have whoever wins Michigan, Michigan State in front of them. So that's Michigan State. We'll get to that, and then they're going to have Bama in front of them. Like they're they're going to be sixth. But now, like you look at it, dude, they're nine and zero. Oh. Yeah, and I know. I know everyone is still like, for whatever reason, still talking about the Kansas thing. Like people just can't let it go. I know. And maybe it has something to do with what Oklahoma state did to them on Saturday. Hey, I watched like the first part of that game and I was like, they need to like cancel this thing because someone's going to get hurt out there. It looked not Kansas looked like Kansas looked like a high school team. Yeah. Against Oklahoma state. It was like, Big brothers playing against little brothers. I was like, oh my gosh, don't hurt them, guys. Jeez. Yeah, that was that was brutal. brutal. That was eye-opening. Yeah. Eye-opening. But I I I mean, it's first of all, it's Oklahoma. It's a power five team. And they're nine and oh, man. Like I think I think they'll be fourth. The more I think about it, like and and the committee, they know they know what Ohio State still has on its schedule, and they know what Bama still has on its schedule. So they know there's going to be movement. My only reservation is, do they really want to put Cincinnati in in the initial rankings? I don't think they do. Like, I could see Cincinnati being fifth. I've, you know what's a good sign? Or not? maybe not a good sign. I, I didn't say that right. But whenever you start to see some of the hit pieces show up, on ESPN and and in Twitter, you have an idea of what's about to come from the committee, right? It's like it's like they're softening up the fans before they hit you with that initial sign of you know everyone's everyone right now is writing their piece on why Cincinnati doesn't belong, and I got to tell you, it would be to leave Oklahoma out at nine and zero would be pretty shocking, even though I get it. Every every single one of those other teams has a better win. All of them. Every actually, pretty much everyone in the top ten, except for maybe Wake Forest, has a better win than Oklahoma. Oregon's got Ohio State. Ohio State's got Penn State. Um, you know, it's just you just kind of go down that Cincinnati's list. Cincinnati's got Notre Dame, right? Um, so that's the one thing that's holding the back right now, but it really doesn't matter because the final three games of the year, and I know Iowa state lost, 
But I think I think Iowa State is in the category now to where even though their record is what it is, I think they get their proper respect in the country for how good of a team they are, right? You know what I'm saying? Like used to, you, you, you would get no no credit at all for beating Iowa State. But now right. that's changed, even though their record, uh, you know, they've got the three losses now. So that's all going to change. It really doesn't matter because you've got a good enough schedule down the stretch that if you win every game, it ain't going to matter. If you're undefeated, it's not going to matter. Dylan Marsh on Twitter says, number one, Georgia. Number two, Bama. Number three, Michigan State. Number four, Cincinnati. Number five, Ohio State. Number six, Oklahoma. All because of the Kansas game, but remember in that same week, Cincinnati only beat one in five Navy by seven points. Can't explain this stuff. I, I don't think, for whatever reason, I thought OU was going to be six, but then like as I looked at it on paper, like hard to that, justify it. When you just see nine and zero, oh, like you have a certain reaction, like holy shit, they're nine and zero. Oh. Like, yep. I, and I know they don't have a great non-conference with. Like, I understand that, and maybe, maybe the committee will say something about game control, and I, I don't know, but I hope not. Yeah, I hope game control is not. I, I, I do think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be seven teams, right? In whatever particular order. And I think these are the only seven teams that that have a chance to make the college football playoff. It's Georgia, Bama, Cincinnati, OU, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Oregon. I think it's I, I think we're down to seven, which feels like a, a few more than what we're used to. And I guess. For those of you that haven't paid attention, Wake Forest is unbeaten and scoring points like at will in the ACC. So I, I guess it's maybe like since Clemson's been bad, it's like everyone forgot the ACC even exists. Correct. You know, it's uh, for good reason. But I agree with you mostly, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Cincinnati loses a game. Who they got SMU left, and they may have to play. Who would they play? Houston in the championship. Yeah, and Houston's a pretty good football team. Just beat um, SMU. Yep. So they've they've got some tough games left. So I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility of that Cincinnati loses, and if they lose, they're done. And Alabama, they've got to beat Auburn, which looks pretty salty. And they've got to beat Georgia. That's going to be a tough ask, even for Alabama to beat those two teams. So, I, are you sure? I mean, no, I'm not Georgia, sure. Georgia didn't look that good against Florida. Oh, oh. Well, yeah. my God. So, if Alabama drops another game and Cincinnati drops a game, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't throw Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or Baylor out. I uh, no, I'm with you. I I hear you there. I'll say this, man. Some people out there for whatever reason they're like the Big 12's down this year. I don't know how you could say that if you've actually watched the games. Down and, from when? Yeah, that's what I was like, what? But if OU OU has to go undefeated to make it. 
I, I think that's true. Like with, with what really? can happen in the Big Ten and what can happen in the SEC and still having Cincinnati, like the possibility of them running the table, like it feels like a year where OU's got to go undefeated. It just feels that way. It is odd to have to be this late in the year and have five undefeated, what, four power five undefeated teams and I guess six undefeateds if you count UTSA at this point, but uh, five that you think have a legitimate chance. And I guess, do we say Wake Forest has a legitimate chance if they go undefeated? I mean, I don't even know. I, I, depending on how it plays out, it would be quite the odd thing to have a Power Five conference champ undefeated not make the playoff. Now, uh, I will say Wake has North Carolina – NC State and Clemson all in a row here. So, yeah, I don't think they're making it through that, through those three games unbeaten. Agreed. But if they do, hey, if Clemson's been getting in un, as an undefeated team, doesn't does an undefeated Wake Forest that goes and wins an ACC championship game do do they get in instead of Cincinnati? I I don't know. What if you had and, and I don't think there's any chance that this happens. But what if you had Georgia undefeated, Cincinnati undefeated, Oklahoma, Michigan State, and Wake? Five undefeated teams. Then we just instantly get playoff expansion, right? I, that's what I'm asking. It's like, how quickly can we get this thing together? Just give Georgia a bye. I, I don't. Would, would that be fair? I don't know. Well, that, the way that they look right now, yeah, that'd be fair. Give give those actually just just send them through the, the championship game and let the other teams play, and whoever wins that tournament gets to play Georgia. God, a sympathy touchdown for Florida late, basically, is what that was. Oof. Dan Mullen, Good. that seat's hot, baby. Woo. That seat is hot. One of the funniest things I saw on on Twitter was people in the comments, like what he's probably saying at the press conference. (laughs) That was pretty good. So good. All right. Let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. What's your favorite season, Gabe? Fall. No, it's not. It's hard seltzer season. Let's go! And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade, 
and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. Michigan goes to East Lansing and blows it. Sparty comes charging back, wins 37-33. And I will say this, the atmosphere in East Lansing looked awesome. I mean, that place was rocking. Michigan got out to a great start, right? Uh, Wolverines turned a pair of early interceptions by Peyton Thorne into points, including Andre Anthony, 93-yard mm. touchdown catch and run. He got the Gus Johnson treatment. Andre <laughs> Anthony. It was great. I mean, it was great. <laughs> that dude was moving, by the way. But then this game went back and forth in the second and third quarters. It was really fun to watch and some big-time runs from Kenneth Walker to the third. And let's be real. Michigan State got really, really lucky that they called Peyton Thorne down on that sack strip that would have been a touchdown for Michigan before the half. I don't know how the hell you overturned that call. If it would have happened against OU, I would. you would have jumped out of the radio booth and strangled the referee, Ted. I, I, but, hey, sometimes you get a break, right? But yep. it, it seemed like Michigan had control in the third quarter, but man, you got to give Michigan state credit. You got to give Mel Tucker credit. That team fights, man. And they completely outplayed Michigan in the fourth quarter. There was a long touchdown run by Walker, JJ McCarthy, who I don't know why he kept coming in the game. He just kept coming and messing things up. But Jim Harbaugh was like, I'm the smartest man alive. I'm going to put this freshman in this situation. So he can mess it up, and that's exactly what he did. Gave Michigan State a gift on the fumbled handoff that turned into another Kenneth Walker, the third touchdown, and they end up sealing it with the interception there at the end. But, man, Ted, that that was a fun football game to watch. It's it's never – I never don't enjoy watching Harbaugh's reaction when it kind of starts to fall apart for him. But it's just a good win for Michigan State. I I know I'm I feel like maybe I'm making some excuses for Michigan, but Michigan State won the game. They won the yeah. game, and that's a big win. It's a huge win. Uh, Mel Tucker done a fantastic job there, and you're right. That atmosphere there at East Lansing, there is. It's one of the things that's great about college football. Whenever a team is down for an extended period. And then they just burst back onto the scene in a massive way. And you get that energy in the fan base and everyone, uh, you know, jumps on, gets on board. And it's, it's so special and so fun. And that's how, that's how special seasons are made, man. Whenever teams like that, all of a sudden it's like, dang, we're eight. No, we got a shot. And everyone like digs in for the final stretch run of the season. That's awesome. That's, it's fun to watch. Yeah, it was a really fun game. And, but if if you're a Michigan fan, man, and it, okay, before the game, and, and we previewed it, and we were talking about, okay, it'll come down to who can run the football, all these things. If you would have told me that Michigan was going to throw for 406 yards and lose, nuts. I would have, I would have been stunned. <laughs> but hey, I will say this: Kenneth Walker to the third might have just sealed uh you know 
Yeah, I bet. I don't know if the invite's quite in hand what were already. What his finals numbers? How many, how many yards did he have? I think he was just under 200 Woo. with, I believe, five touchdowns. That'll do it. I mean, he, he had a day. By the way, like, you know me. When I'm watching college football and I'm looking at running backs, looking at the back half, <laughs> solid posterior chain on that guy. He looks yeah. – I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Okay, I got it pulled up. 197 Woo. for five touchdowns. Yeah, that'll do it. We'll see you in New York City. Yeah, congrats. KW3, awesome nickname. Awesome nickname. Okay, Ole Miss went to Auburn. and Kind of got smacked around, man. Auburn wins 31-20. And said, I don't know what else to say other than I, th- I think Bo Nix is good now. Like, I what think happened? he's... I, I mean, he's looking like Johnny Manziel out there at times, just like Houdini getting out of everything, just running around, making plays, throwing it well, throwing it with velocity, like stepping into it. He looks confident back there, running it really well. Now, Matt Corral did hurt his ankle, his, and I think it was his other ankle. So now he's got two hurt ankles, but up, it looked bad. It, but all of a sudden, he was back out there. I don't know what they gave him but he must have been on the good stuff because he was running around he was slinging it he he was fun to watch still but i it to me it just looked like Ole Miss's offense couldn't find their rhythm and you, you, scrimmage. you you got to give you got to give auburn credit for that and that auburn defense man they are physical mm-hmm. but corrals down a couple of those receivers missing some i mean some Really good playmakers there out wide, but man, when when plays needed to be made, Auburn's defense made them, uh, especially on some of those fourth downs that Ole Miss went for. Now Auburn's offense didn't do much in the second half at all, but they didn't have to. And yeah. Auburn's defense made Corral pay for that bad mistake. They're throwing it in the end zone, cross his body, you know, cardinal sin of quarterbacking. Auburn took care of business, man. That was, and all of a sudden, like, you look at the talent they have, Ted, and you're like, how frisky are the Tigers? Yeah, they look pretty good now. Their running game is stout. Tank Bixby had another really nice game. Uh, Ole Miss had a couple of opportunities late and just just couldn't get anything going. Had a bad fumble in there as well. Um, I never would have thought that, you could have convinced me that Auburn would win the game, but I, I wouldn't think that, Bo Nix would outplay Matt Corral, and he did. He was more efficient as a passer. He was uh, effective as a runner with two rushing touchdowns. He looked really good, man. He slowly but surely he has started to get rid of like he's always had some big flash, but he's become more efficient of a passer, and you know he's he's still got that toughness to him, man. He he can run the football and. He's a big dude, 6'3", physical, so kudos. Good job by Auburn. They're for real. Yeah, what are they, 6-2 the, now? Yeah, and they had the the orange face mask going. Looks pretty good. I kind of like it, like a metallic orange. But, yeah, Bo Nix, 22-30, 276, a touchdown, 30 yards rushing with two rushing touchdowns. Have pretty a day. Salty. Have a day, Bo. And also, as Matt Corral 
threw that one, threw the interception in the end zone. In the back of my head, I was going, hmm, Caleb Williams for Heisman? Hmm. Hey, Corral, he, he has not played. He didn't play particularly well against Bama, and he was not great, and I know he's banged up as hell, and God knows what drugs he was on to get back on the field after that ankle bent the way it did, but he he's not going to win the Heisman Trophy. There's no way. After losing those two games, there's no way. He, he, he can't win it. K-Dub, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. I would, uh, I mean, Kenneth Walker the third there at Michigan State if they keep rolling. K- or I guess, you, uh, is that, did you call him K-Dub? Is that? Yeah. Dude, look, yeah. Are, I didn't know you guys were that close. Yeah, yeah, you like that? K-Dub you- three. Can an entire defense win a Heisman Trophy? Can they just award it to the Georgia defense? Kayvon Thibodeau, pretty good too. Yeah. So I'm just saying, we've everyone. We're not even talking about Oregon being in the mix, and maybe they don't deserve to be, but they still got a really nice win. You know, it's it's the best one in the country. It's wild. It's going to be a it's going to be a fantastic finish to the college football season. It's going to be awesome. All right. Speaking of fantastic finishes, I suppose it depends on who you're a fan of or not. I, I don't know how many Texas fans listen to this podcast. I hope a lot, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Texas goes to Waco and blows a double-digit second-half lead. Where have Ooh. you heard that? Man, I mean, Ted, being a Texas fan has to be exhausting, dude. Like, it's got to be because the game couldn't have started better. For the Longhorns, right? They pick off Gary Bohannon, turn it into a touchdown. Now, I I will say after that, Baylor they, they did some good things offensively. They've ripped off some explosive runs with Abram Smith just gashing Texas. But it was a back and forth football game in the first half. But Texas goes on a fourteen play drive out of the half, and Bijan scores, and they take a double digit lead. There in the third quarter, up 21-10. Felt like they had all the momentum, and they were outscored 21-3 the rest of the way. And I thought, I, I did think when you when you watched the game, like I thought it came down to what happened on third and fourth downs, right? Baylor converted in those situations. Texas did not. But I I do not know what the hell that fake punt from Texas was. Why, why they thought Is that one of those where the punter decides that on his own that he's going to take off running with it? it that's what it looked like, but it's it, it literally looked like they ran punter power, like into traffic. Like, all right, it was like they needed two yards or a yard. It, I think it was like fourth and 11. Yeah, it was bad. What I mean, the I was hell was watching that? It out of the corner of my eye in the in from the radio booth, like, what, what are they doing? It's brutal. It's just a, a horrible decision, uh, whether it was the punter's fault, but if the coaches gave him, uh, it's, I don't know, man. Just It's just bad ball, but, you know, Baylor ends up turning that into a touchdown, and I, I, I did think Baylor got a little conservative. Texas had the ball with the chance to go tie the game or if they wanted to go score and go for two, go win the game, and they didn't gain a yard on offense. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a good win for Baylor. And, and shout out to that Baylor defense, man. I'm telling you, Jalen Petrie, 
right now after watching this game and watch him fly around and go straight kamikaze over Bijan Robinson to sack to sack Casey Thompson. He is my Big He's 12 nuts, defensive player man. of the year right now. He's nuts. He plays at one speed at all times. He never like he never shuffles his feet to slow down and gather himself. It is wide open at all times and it's awesome to watch. He's great. And you know there was a couple of matchups in this game. Bohannon versus Thompson was was pretty tight. Thompson threw for more, had a better Bohannon's interceptions were horrible, bro. Yep. I Especially mean, that first horrible. one. Um but the running game, Bijan Robinson got nothing. 17 for 43. Uh, Abram Smith, don't look now, but Abram Smith's one of the better backs in the Big 12. He's got a he's got what the same amount of touchdowns as Bijan. Doesn't have nearly as many carries, but he's averaging more per, per carry. He's going to be up around the eight, nine hundred yards mark right now. He is a really good back. And they specialize in one play, outside zone, God's play, the best running play in all of football. Now, they did do some pin-pull toss, toss stuff in this game that just gashed Texas, but it was simple. You know, I went back and watched every play of this game because I was like, okay, I got to talk about it on you know my Big 12 show, and I was like, okay, what happened at the line of scrimmage? Baylor's defensive front. Apu Ika, big dude, like 350 in the middle. Franklin it in. I mean, they whooped Texas's offensive line's ass for the majority of this game. I mean, it was, they got, I think their defense is a little better than I've been getting them credit for. Yeah. And Terrell Bernard's back flying around. Petrie, I don't I don't know. He he might be the best player in the conference, man. Like he is playing at He's an great. extremely high level. And that's I a, like I that's like an impressive uh, win. Yeah, I like uh Bernard and Doyle too. I think they're they're two really good players. Do you do you love the fact first of all, Doyle plays fullback for him also, and they'll throw it to him. He caught a couple touchdowns the other week. It was pretty fun. And Abram Smith played linebacker for him last year. And they flipped him over in the spring. He was a linebacker last season. Wow, I didn't even I didn't even put that together. That's crazy. They were like, "Hey, he, you know he what?" He came in he, whenever they uh, when they lost um, Bernard last year. Well, no, it was it was the spring when they hired Grimes, and they're like, "Hey, we think you'd be really good at running back in the outside zone system." And then he was like, "All right, sounds good." And <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, nailed that one, Aranda. Good call. Nice. Wow. Look at you, Dave Aranda. It Texas, last thing on this game. They had, you talk about missed opportunities. They pick off Bohannon before the half. Thompson throws. It, it's a little high. Goes off Josh Moore's hands. Pick. End up getting no points from that. And then, man, Xavier Worthy is running. And the DB falls down, Ted. Falls to the ground. And Xavier Worthy is wide open, and Casey Thompson throws it out of bounds. Leads him out of bounds. He is like, the DB is on the ground 10 yards behind him. And the ball, I was was just one of those, if you're a Texas fan, you just have to feel like you're cursed. 
I picked they Texas are. to win this game, and I feel like I'm cursed. They are. They're cursed. I agree. That's that's one thing I can definitely agree on right there. <laughs> and they've earned it. Yeah. All right, last game. Penn State goes to Ohio State and plays them closer than we thought. Ohio State ends up winning 34-24. And I guess, I guess Penn State's just a better team when they play against Ohio State or – Maybe Ohio State got what they deserved for wearing all red. What the hell was that? I don't know why they messed with. Wh- it hurt my eyes. It's too much. It, it, they look like Indiana or something. There's, there's just no. They reason look to like do the that. Bucks on Color Rush night. Yeah, there's, there's no reason to do that. They've got a beautiful uniform. Don't screw with it. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I was a little confused at that decision, but. Now, I, I will give Penn State, Penn State some credit, and it was, it was 33-24, not 34-24, sorry. But Ohio State's defense, the, it did a really good job against Penn State's run game or lack thereof, whatever you want to say about it. But the Buckeyes, they, they did give up quite a few explosives in the past game to Sean Clifford and that passing attack. But then they, they kind of made up for that by getting takeaways, right? They end up getting the scoop and score before the half. Big fella ran. He, I thought he was going to run out of gas. Did <laughs> cruised in the end zone. Love seeing a fat man TD. But they, they also they forced Clifford into the interception in the fourth quarter and got pressure on him, made him uncomfortable. But this this game did not go the way I thought it was was going to go. It went close, or it was close. It was back and forth. Travion Henderson is that dude. I mean, everyone can acknowledge that, especially with what he did in the second half. But Ohio State did not dominate this game the way that I thought they would, Ted. And I think it has everything to do with how much they struggled in the red zone. I mean, one touchdown in six red zone trips for C.J. Stroud and that offense. Man, that's that's clearly something that Ryan Day is going to look at and goes, guys. We gotta be what we gotta be way better. I mean, they probably should have scored at least may, maybe almost fifty if they just would have been more efficient in the red zone. Yeah, um, yeah. Give Penn State some credit. I left them for dead with all the distractions that they had going on, and um, I knew Clifford was back, but wasn't sure how much they were going to get out of him. But it was a pretty good effort by them. I thought their defense played pretty well. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more as well out of uh, Ohio State's offense. And, yeah, I don't know. I, when you get down to the red zone, if you can't run the football very well, uh, it's usually going to turn into some bigger problems for you. And for whatever reason down there, they just – they were behind all game. Um, I don't know. It doesn't really change my opinion of Ohio State. I still think that's a good win. Um, to, to not play your best and beat a team like Ohio State – uh, you got to be a pretty good squad to do that. So, or be uh, Penn State rather. So, not the performance I expected, but I wouldn't say it's a red flag. Yeah, I'd say it's a it's a fine win, right? It's a fine win. Penn State, they just they're just better when they play Ohio State. Apparently, all right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Softrock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, 
gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Softrock's rubber safety servicing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark, which came by the pregame show on Saturday, it was great to meet them. They're avid OU fans and driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean, and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the drivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I had to go with the Saints and Trevor Simeon. You lose Jameis Winston to that knee injury. Did Trevor Simeon, good. no, it didn't. And that's why that, that penalty is in place. Uh, but Trevor Simeon comes in, has a decent little day, throws a touchdown pass, uh, but leads them in a win over Tampa Bay. Now, credit the defense. Their defense got after it, uh, forcing Tom Brady into multiple turnovers. Got the pick late in the two-minute drill. But um, nice job by Trevor Simeon coming in off of, a, uh, off of an injury, being prepared. And that's not easy to go out there and beat the, uh, the reigning Super Bowl champs and Tom Brady. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think that everyone that saw that entire thing unfold was like, wait, what? Uh, first of all, those white Saints jerseys, I mean, oh. They are so sexy. Such a sexy jersey. Now, Trevor Simeon was a teammate of mine in Denver. That dude is awesome. And the one thing you always knew about him, like he's a super smart guy. And the one thing you always knew about him is like, hey, if he got in there, he was going to let it rip. (laughs) Like just no hesitation. He knew the system. Like the back of his hand, I'm sure he, he he understands Peyton's system there in New Orleans really well. So I was I was fired up to see him play that well. It made it it brought a smile to my face. I was watching that game. I was like, wait, I I know that guy. Why is he at a quarterback? Because I was a little behind and then caught up. I was like, oh, oh, Jameis. Oh no. And then man, you're right. I Trevor Simeon, he was he was awesome. No, he wasn't perfect. But he was no. awesome. I, uh, for the situation, he was great. Coming in and playing against Tampa, who, who's got a, a really a good pass rush, a couple of backers that are great in coverage. So, yeah, that, that was big time, man. That's a big win for the Saints, man. It's a division win. Yep. Right, that NFC South all of a sudden 
Maybe a little more interesting than we thought it was going to be. Saints are five and two. Let's go Saints. They employed me. The Bucks didn't. Let's go Saints. <laughs> that, it's simple. That's when I'm deciding who to cheer for during games. It's pretty simple. All right, Ted, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? The loser of the weekend is the targeting penalty. Ooh. The targeting penalty is the loser of the weekend. Now, I'm all for player safety. I, 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 I want this game to be played forever. And for that to be the case, it has to be played safe. Um, we can't have guys knocked out, sprawled out on the turf like we used to and celebrate it on uh, jacked up or whatever it was called. God, I miss <laughs> jacked up. I jacked up. It was great. Such was, an amazing segment. It was probably the best part of, of, of you know, uh, the most entertaining part of football. But I get it. And I understand the targeting call. But here's the thing. When this rule was put in place, I was told, and we were all told, that leading with the crown of the helmet was going to be targeting in college and in the pros. And we were told that leading with the crown of the helmet was going to be called on defensive players and on offensive players. Okay? The problem is, I've been watching football now with targeting as a rule for like 10 years now, and I've never seen it called on a ball carrier. I'm not saying that it hasn't been, but I've never seen it. And if it's been called, it's probably called at about a 1,000 to 1 ratio of defensive players to offensive players. And I'll tell you right now that almost every time a running back has a ball and they get on the perimeter or even whenever they're in the hole, they absolutely lead with the crown of the helmet, okay? And it's never called. And there was a couple of them that I saw that were egregious. And one of them today was in the NFL. And not only was it not called, it was called targeting on the defensive player. And it may have cost the Cincinnati Bengals a football game. They were about to get off the field. It was going to be fourth down. They were going to have like two and a half minutes left with two timeouts, I believe, and a chance to go down and try and win the football game. And it was a horrible call. It was targeting by the offensive player where the defensive guy was just going in to make a tackle. There was also one in the Oklahoma game on an Oklahoma running back where he led with the crown of his helmet, knocked off the safety's helmet, Monroe, uh, for tech. And I don't care that it wasn't called, but it's, it's, I would just like a little bit of consistency and at least do what you said you're originally going to do, because there's a lot of guys defensively that get hit with the crown of the helmet from the ball carrier. And if we're going to protect offensive guys, we need to protect defensive guys as well. Yeah, no, I'm with, I'm with you. And I, I really hope they change it, man. And I, but you, they don't even know. need to change it. They just need to call it. Uh, well, not even that. It's just the some of these some of these plays that guys get ejected for. Like for me, you have to do something just so egregious to get ejected from a football game. It should be like a dirty play. 
to get ejected. It, it's not almost, a routine tackle. Yeah, it, it's almost one of those plays where we should all see it and just it, you know it when you see it. Like, oh, you no can't do that. Like right. that's how blatant and it, it should almost be offensive when yeah. a guy should get ejected. But it's like an incomplete pass. And the pass is clearly incomplete, and, and you still have a safety come over and just absolutely, you know, forehead to chin a guy. Yeah. I mean, just it should. Now, I, once again, I am all for player safety. And this is coming from a guy that had a few more concussions than I'm comfortable with having. And so I am, you know, I am a big proponent of player safety and all those things, but. And I do think when it starts to decide games, that's when and, – and they don't call it targeting in the NFL, right? They just say, hey, unne- unnecessary roughness. Right? That's, right. What, that's what they called on Mike Hilton on that play you're talking about for the Bengals. There is no way that that's a flag. There is I no way. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It's an egregious call, and that referee should be fined. That's how bad it is. So we'll get to the Jets are my winner and Uh no bullshit. One of like the bullet points is egregious helmet to helmet call (laughs) on Mike Hilton. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you and I, I I think we're. uh, They were definitely the winner of that, that call. There is no doubt about that. Yeah. But no, I, I think that. You know, targeting is something that keeps coming up, and some people want to see it go to like a two-tiered system, right? Where one's 15 yards, and then the other one's 15 yards with an ejection, where it's got to just be an insanely dirty play. I would like to see it go to a system like that. Like, I don't want a bunch of helmet-to-helmet hits coming back into the game. Like, I don't think anyone wants that. But man, there's at, at some point you you have to factor in that these dudes are flying around really quickly and like guys are ducking under some things and like sometimes when an offensive player does that like I don't know it's just it's kind of impossible to to make the rule perfect like it'll never be perfect but it seems like it can be better than what it is now yeah I'm just sick of watching offensive players lead with the crown of their helmet and never get called for it no you're right you're right spoken like a true defensive guy all right (laughs) If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Go to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn, and that is why it has won more than 25 awards Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen and became the first American distillery to win the competition ever. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Carson Wentz, and I know that sounds crazy because it is, because, dude, he is just wildly entertaining to watch. 
like uh, disastrously entertaining. <laughs> I mean, that pick six with the left hand, I mean, that was next level hilarious. Like I just, I was, when I watched it, I was like, thank you, Carson Wentz. I saw it on red zone. I was like, what the hell was that? Thank you, Carson Wentz. I needed that on a Sunday. Thank you. And he's always got the look on his face. Like he's just as confused as everyone else. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, I could not believe that play. And some people tried to make it seem like, oh, he was going to get the safety. It was his only option. It, it's actually a galaxy brain thing to let him score because then they get the ball back. If he takes the safety, then the Titans have the ball and the game's over. I was like, he held onto the ball for like five seconds, guys. <laughs> like what? <laughs> it's just, oh, it was a hilarious play. But also thought about going with the Kansas State Wildcats, who I am now calling the coach killing cats. Wow. Matt yeah. Wells last week. And Gary Patterson this week. Gary Patterson and TCU parted ways immediately. Effective immediately, Ted. Mm. Kansas State's out here getting coaches axed left and right. Someone had mentioned that Patterson was on the hot seat, and I remember thinking, come on. Really? It's crazy. I I am very surprised it happened during the season. Yeah. Well, that's the, tis the, tis the year for that, I guess, right? Yeah, but I, I thought it would be different. The guy has a statue on campus, like already. Are we sure it's still there? I, I and maybe he he went to the administration and was like, all right, I'm out. Like this ain't work. I like maybe he did, but I've never got that that vibe from Gary Patterson. It's crazy. I yeah, that was that was maybe the most surprising thing I, I saw all of Sunday. I couldn't believe it, but okay, my winner. Now, this was probably more surprising. <laughs> my winner of the weekend. Mike White made his first start, first NFL start at quarterback for the New York Jets with Zach Wilson out. And now it didn't start out particularly well for Mike. Had a couple early picks, wasn't looking good, but then all he did the rest of the way was crush it. Ends up 37 of 45 for 405 yards and three touchdowns against the Bengals defense that has been really solid up to this point. And it's it's not like the Jets, you know, they were playing with the lead or anything. It's not like it was a stress-free situation for Mike White. He brought him back from down 11 in the fourth quarter. And even caught a two-point conversion in the process. It was it was really cool to see. This is a guy that's been cut five times. He's bounced around. He's been on a couple different practice squads. Ted, you talk about making the most of your opportunity, man. Uh, sorry, Joe Flacco. It's Mike White time in New York, baby. I mean, that had to be Mike White's. It had to be the best day of his life. I mean, he set the NFL record for most completions for a player in his first start. And the New York Jets crowd was chanting his name. That doesn't happen for many guys. Like it was, it was really cool to watch. It was. And I, I flipped it over late in that game. And I, I thought that the Jets were going to pull a Jets fiasco at the end of that game. The clock management 
at the end around the two minute was bad. When you have a player try to stay in bounds and get down when all he has to do is just get an extra yard for the first down and win the game. He goes down. It was like, Oh my God, are they really going to do this to themselves? They cut to Robert Sala's face and he was like, "Ah." (laughs) it was so good. But we talked about the egregious uh, helmet to helmet call on Mike Hilton. Yeah, that was, that was really bad. And who knows if the game, you know, ends up going to overtime or maybe the Bengals win it. That was just, it was a brutal call. I still can't believe that that referee called that. But the real winner in all of that, the real winner of the Jets Bengals game, Vegas. I mean, how many people had the Bengals in a parlay or a tease? Those casinos aren't so big and nice by accident, man. That is, that's why I call it, they call it gambling. That's, I'm sure that was, I assume Sunday was a nice day for Vegas just because of that game. Yeah, I, I think it was a nice day for, did you see, did we talk about last week against Kansas, the OU, that game, 97% of the money was on OU in that OU Kansas game. That's why they call it gambling. And, and they'd never moved the line. Usually they'll start moving the line when someone everyone's coming that heavy on someone. Uh-uh. Didn't budget. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. All right. For my loser of the weekend, I thought about going with Texas Tech because obviously came to Norman, got smacked. And then Sunday, Brett McMurphy reports that the head coach at UTSA, Jeff Trailer has signed a $28 million extension through 2031 wow. to lead the Roadrunners. Uh, for those of you that don't know, a lot of people at Tech thought that Trailer may be the new guy there in Lubbock. Not looking like it, Ted. Well, I'll tell you, I, honestly, I think that's a smart move by Trailer. Get more money. Um Wait it out. Continue this year. What they're eight no right now. Um, that I I just I think Tech's a bad job. I just, I don't think it's a good job. I, I really don't. I don't want to say it's a bad job. It's a really hard job. Hard. It's. I guess we're, it's been, maybe the same thing. Hard. Yeah. Bad. It's, it's it's hard, man. It's very difficult to win there. Very very difficult. But and yeah, I looked at they'll fire you whenever you're five and three. So yeah. And then the interim and then the interim coach will botch uh, the, the situation before the half and you won't get any points out of a promising drive. I still wish that whole scenario would have played out to where they snapped it to the holder. He put it down and the kicker wasn't on the field yet. That would have been the funniest thing ever. Would have been incredible. (laughs) It was very sad. It didn't happen. But my my loser of the weekend, the Cleveland Browns mm. lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Cleveland, fifteen to ten. And before we talk about Baker or Jarvis Landry, let's talk about the fake field goal. That Boswell got destroyed. I mean, it was like. And Mike, I know Mike Tomlin said it was a bad fake field goal call. I know that's what he said after the game. But it was like 
you could almost see, first of all, when they showed it in slow motion, you, you could almost see him like hovering in the ground, like in the air. But it was, it was almost as if you could see his soul leave his body when he got hit the way that he hit. He got hit. And it seemed like it was one of those situations where every kicker, like every guy that's a kicker, whether it's the NFL, college, high school, they all were like, oh, come on, man. Like, don't, don't make it look that bad. Like, he got mauled. And I'm pretty sure he got concussed. So I hope he's okay. I, I hope Chris Boswell's all right. But that was a tough look. Tough look for kickers all over the place. <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to bring it up. And I just <laughs> I just saw it right, right now. Right as... your, your instant reaction, sir. He gets ejected from the screen. <laughs> It just goes. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. Hey, give him credit for sticking in there and uh, keeping his eyes downfield and uh, trying to get a get a pass. Oh, that was great. Who was yeah. that, that? I couldn't tell. Was was that Miles Garrett? That hit no, him? no. If okay. it uh, only God knows what would happen to Boswell if it was Miles Garrett, but and and that injury it really did change the game. Right, because you know, you look at some of the situations in that game. I, I'm not sure the circus catch that Pat Fryermuth had for that touchdown. I don't. Great I don't think catch. it happens. I mean, I don't think that happens, right? I don't think they're go. They probably take the points there on that fourth down instead of instead of going for it if Boswell's not out of commission. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, and and he spins around and just gets both feet in was a good catch and then what uh Najee Harris had the other touchdown with a with a really nice run but yeah that it's unfortunate that you killed the kicker and it probably cost you the game somehow it's yeah. weird yeah it, it's weird but i mean this game for me the, this game came down to the last two offensive drives for the browns and listen what circumstances you know considering all the circumstances with what Baker Mayfield's got going on with his left shoulder. I thought he was damn good, man. I, I thought he ran the offense efficiently. I thought he was, you know, he missed some throws high, but he was, he, he played well enough. That's, that's kind of how I saw it. And, you know, you look at those, those last two drives, right? Jarvis Landry with a costly fumble on one kills the drive. They don't get any points. And then uh, on the last drive of the game, Jarvis Landry has a couple of drops. And now the last one, uh, I'll say the DB made a nice play on the ball, but that's one you expect Jarvis Landry to catch. And now all of a sudden you look at it, Cleveland's four and four. Yeah. I mean, man, it, they have they have fallen on hard times in Cleveland. Four and four, still banged up. Um, they've got at Cincinnati, at New England, who just got a win. Um, still have to go to Baltimore, to Green Bay, and to Pittsburgh. So, form four at the halfway mark, uh, or I guess just under halfway mark, and some tough road games left on the schedule. Yeah. Now, I will say, just a couple years ago, Cleveland Brown fans would have been ecstatic with them being four and four, but the expectations have changed, and 
And yeah, it just, it has not gone. It has not gone the way that they were hoping it would go, right? It was such a, such a promising team heading into the season and, you know, injuries have derailed a lot. Baker's been a little up and down, but yeah, man, just, and all of a sudden the AFC North, that is, that's going to, it's going to be interesting. They still play Cincinnati twice. They go on the road to Cincinnati next week and they play Baltimore back to back on the schedule with the bye week in between. That's kind of odd. They go to Baltimore, then their next uh, game is a home game against them um, after a bye week. So they got four division games against the uh, the number one and number two teams in the division. So that that's going to be the difference for them right there. Yeah, ground can be made up. I know that you know, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are big Cleveland Browns fans now. So we'll see if the old Brownies can turn it around. I hope they do. Because it's this simple. They employed me twice. <laughs> so, hey, go, go, go Browns. By the way, I've had so, God, I've had, I, and I will, I will not mention, you know, what person said this, but I, I had someone, I was, I was walking my dogs. I was wearing a Cleveland Browns shirt. You know, Cause you know, that's, I, I played for the Browns and someone in my neighborhood was like, ah, Oh, so you love you love the Browns because of Baker too? And I was like, Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I was like, hey, No, I do. I, I go Baker. But you know, I know no, I know a couple of lifer Browns fans that have been uh, through through the good, the bad, and the ugly have been there for the long haul. Those people are brave, brave, especially whenever you don't live in Cleveland. Like that is extra brave. Like when I, it's I think not our even buddy. Your, our buddy Craig Moran is he's he's one of those type of people. Nice. Yeah. That's All right. Episode 160. Person. Episode 160. That's a lot. Good we'll day. have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from two to six on 94.7 the ref, and you can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time